Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I am Danielle Tucker. I'm your host. I am a singer. I'm a vocal coach, and I'm a lead singer with the Mighty Untouchables Band. The Unstoppable Singer show is a live interview style show where we dive into the lives of real professional singers. And uh, these singers have achieved feats in their careers and incredible uh, accomplishments. And uh, we like to explore the challenges and triumphs that come with the life under the bright lights. And we learn about what being unstoppable truly means to them. So if you are passionate about music and the stories of remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. So stick around because we're going to jump right into it. And I'm going to introduce you to my wonderful guest tonight. It's Liz Fraser. With over 20 years of teaching experience, Liz Fraser has dedicated her career to guiding aspiring singers on their vocal journeys. After bidding farewell, or perhaps uttering a few choice words, to academia, Liz embarked on her dream path, working with adult beginners and pre-professional singers through her Feet First vocal program. Armed with a doctorate in voice, Liz evolved from believing there was only one way of teaching and sounding to embark on a mission of helping others discover and embrace their own unique sound. And by focusing on building confidence and fostering a deep understanding how, of how singing feels within each individual's body, Liz helps her clients trust their vocal abilities and bring joy back into singing. So... Without further ado, here she is. It's Liz Fraser. Hello. Hey. hey. How are Thanks you tonight? Well. I'm good, thank you. I appreciate uh, the invitation. <laughs> of course. I'm so honored that you would come on and chat with me tonight. Um, full disclosure to everybody watching, Liz and I actually know each other quite well. Uh, we are both uh, members of the same mastermind. And we have been for many years now. So um, I have had the privilege of having a front row seat to, you know, the many, um, just the progression of your business and your whole philosophy around your business too. And it's been, it's amazing. It's been amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And right back at you. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like, what you've done, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I love, I love it. It's, it is, you're absolutely inspiring to me. So. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we have so much to talk about because I love the philosophy behind your private practice. But before we get into all of that, why don't we take a million steps backwards and walk back to the beginning of your musical journey and just talk about how you got started? What ignited music within you? You know, I have a I have a moment that I re remember in the ninth grade. My mom made me join choir when I was in the seventh grade, and I was like, "Okay, whatever," because I wanted to quit clarinet. Hated clarinet. She was like, "You can quit if you join choir." So I joined choir when I got to middle school, and then in the ninth grade, 
my choir teacher, Linda Beck. We remember the teachers that, you know, make an impression on us. Mm -hmm. She played for the class, the movie Funny Girl. Oh, wow. And I remember sitting in that class and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. Like it was, I mean, it was like a, a cut and dry moment. And I decided like, this is what I want to do. Um, so that was ninth grade, what are you, 13 in the ninth grade, 14, something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to high school, high school was not good for me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I almost failed out of high school. I was not hanging with the, the good crowd or mm -hmm. although my teachers would have told you that I was not the good crowd. <laughs> um, and I was just, I was depressed. It, it was, but I always had music. I always had music. And when people say music saved my life, I am no exception to that. Like music absolutely saved my life when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And my, no one in my family was musical. I'm the youngest of five. My parents had no idea how to foster music in, in, a, in a child. As the youngest of five, I was the only one that like wanted to do music. Wow. So mm -hmm. they signed me up for voice lessons with the teacher, the local teacher that was like the teacher. Right, the neighborhood teacher. <laughs> and you know, at the time she was in her 70s and she, I felt like she was in her, you know, she was like 100, but of course I was 60, <laughs> whatever. And um, so she was really old school. She was like, if you have a voice, and then when I give you this quote, it is not an exaggeration. If you have a voice, it is your responsibility to sing classical music. Anything else is trash and it's not worthwhile. Right. You know, and you know, I was 16 and I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what you do, right? Yeah. And so I started singing classical music at 15. At 16, I was singing a dramatic Bellini aria. Maybe we can appreciate that that wasn't a great fit. <laughs> <Anyway. laughs> And then, you know, I always had music to come back to, but really, it was really bad. My, my teenage years were really bad. I, in the week after I graduated from high school, I got into a car wreck and was almost killed. Mm. And that was a big turning point for me. Because until that point, I was like, first off, I barely graduated from high school. I didn't know what my path was going to look like. But there's nothing like a near-death experience to, to help you prioritize a little bit, even at 17. Sure. Um, and, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to study music. I'm going to go to college. And I did. And I did all the things you're supposed to do. Study my classical music. I, I never listened. Let's be clear. I never listened to classical music. I never listened mm -hmm. to opera. That was not, that's not something I did. I certainly had an opinion about pop music and it wasn't, it wasn't a kind one. It wasn't like, oh, that's worthless. But mm -hmm. the hierarchy is real <laughs> when you, when you're talking about academia and classical music. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was doing all the things I was supposed to do. I got my bachelor's in it. I went and got my master's And for a long time. A little segue here. I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I know I do not want to be a teacher. Ah, uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I went to grad school. I got an assistantship teaching. And I was like, I kind of like this. Yeah. It was one of the first things I had done in my life where I was like, this feels easy. What I, did you like about it? I love helping people 
so I view my now I the way I describe it now is I view myself as an empowerer and the medium mm-hmm. through which I do that is music. Yeah. So that's what I love. I love helping people realize that they're capable of more than they realized. Mm-hmm. Because after that, after we're like, after somebody's like, oh my God, I didn't realize I could do this. Yeah. The next thing they often think is, what else can I do that I didn't realize I could do? Mm-hmm. And that, in a nutshell, is why I love to do what I do. Yeah. So, so I'm singing classical music. I'm getting my master's. I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Like this is awesome. So, then I got my master's, and I was like, I don't want to audition. I don't want to do any of these things that I'm supposed to do. Uh-huh. Had no idea what I was gonna do, gonna do. <laughs> and then. Literally two weeks before I graduated, I graduated in the summer, um, 2006, I think. Yeah, summer of 2006, <laughs> my master's. And I, my advisor got an email from a, a small college in Virginia saying, hey, we really need an adjunct voice teacher. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll audition. I applied for that job and got it. And two weeks later, I was moving to middle of nowhere, Virginia. Wow. <laughs> and you know, I had all this classical training, right? And I think I graduated, it only took me about nine years to get my bachelor's. No big deal. Got time. So then I go to this school and I find out that I'm the music theater voice teacher. Ah. And I was like, I've never taught this. I don't know what I'm doing. Wow, wow, wow. 30 at that. No, I was, I had just turned 30. Mm-hmm. So... So I called this, I contacted the music theater voice teacher at the pre, at the school where I got my master's because she had just written her dissertation on how to teach music theater for classical teachers. Perfect. Karen Hall, um, that was, she, I think some people know who she is, but anyway, so I, I was like, I emailed her, I was like, please send me your dissertation. I don't know what the F I'm doing, you know? Yeah. She sent it to me and that was the beginning of my journey, like, not just doing classical. And I started to love doing contemporary stuff. So taught at that school for two years. I started a, a you know, at a performance program um, for singers. It was like a little performance. It was a small mm-hmm. little art school. There were like 800 students. Like mm-hmm. a but again, I was like, oh my God, I want to do this forever. I love teaching. Yeah. So then after two years, I decided I'm going to get my doctorate so I can do this for the rest of my life. And then I started my doctorate in 2008. I don't know if you remember a little something that happened in 2008. A little turn, yeah. Did not bode well for the arts. Mm-hmm. So I finished my degree in 2012 and there were no jobs, mm-hmm. zero jobs. And talk about demoralizing. I was like, I just got my freaking doctorate. I can't find a job anywhere. I applied mm-hmm. at like 50 schools. And one of the schools I applied to, I'll just throw this out there. Any of you thinking about getting a doctorate, look at who's getting hired, right? And it is not people that love to teach, usually, right? <laughs> okay. So um, I applied at one school. It was a one-year replacement in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. I got my degree in North Carolina. <laughs> one-year replacement, middle of nowhere, Oregon. 600 applicants. Oh, my gosh. And that's what that's the field I was in. And I didn't want to be a performer. I wanted to be a teacher. So I didn't get a lot of attention. I don't think I didn't even get a phone interview. Right. So and you spend a lot of money applying for these jobs. It's not just, you know, 
fill out an online application. Oh no. And especially this is like 10 years ago. So everything wasn't online as much as it is now. Anyway, so I didn't get a job and I was depressed and uh, I had to get a job at a church, which is fine. You know, I loved the people I worked with, but it certainly was not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I kept teaching on the side. I taught at a local community college. I actually did write their vocal curriculum for their program. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I just, like, I had had it. I was like, I'm done. I'm not working at a church anymore. And I was going to leave music. Mm-hmm. My partner, George, and I were like, let's move to Seattle <laughs> from North Carolina mm-hmm. because this company has offices here. And I was like, I can't do, I can't work at a church anymore. You know, What I'm, were you doing at the church, by the way? Oh, I was the music director. Okay. I, had a choir, I had an acapella group, handbells, kids choir, praise team. Like I had, yeah. I learned a ton and I loved the people, but it's just not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, so I moved to Seattle with the intent of getting out of music. Mm. I was like, I'm going to get a job. I mean, need a normal job, a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I didn't because I didn't apply to any because I was like, I don't want to do any of these things. Yeah. Um, and I met a couple of local musicians. Sharice McLeod Lewis is, uh, she actually is from North Carolina. Turns out she went to grad school for her master's where I went for my doctorate. And we had the same voice teacher. Wow. And I didn't know her until I knew that. that. <laughs> it's such yeah. a world. So I talked to her and she was like, this is such a great town to be a musician in. And I was like, okay. And I found a local voice teacher, Kari Reagan, who was super, super supportive. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people are amazing. Maybe I am going to, so I just jumped in. Mm-hmm. I started auditioning for operas. I started my own voice studio. Um, and then I had a really terrible audition, hmm. which is fine. I mean, we have terrible auditions, but I got, re- can we cuss on here? If you can't. You, you okay. let it rip. I've been like holding back. I have <laughs> and I'm a good singer. Like, yeah. I have, like, I'm not the best singer in the world, but I am good. And I'm a good mm-hmm. performer. And I got the worst feedback from this woman. And I was like, that's right. That's why I don't want to do this. Yeah. This is so toxic mm-hmm. that I have no interest in participating in this. Mm-hmm. So I started moving away from it. I was still teaching classically. I worked for Seattle Opera. I was there, one of their youth programs teachers. And you know, doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. So I stopped with Seattle Opera. I still, fabulous people there. I still love them. But I finally decided I didn't want to teach um, classical anymore. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what I really wanted to teach. That's not what I really wanted to sing. Yeah. Enter Jess Baldwin, who was also another fabulous person in our coaching group. Yes. And I took some lessons with her and I now refer to myself as a recovering classical singer (laughs) on my way to finding my goofiest self with my ukulele. And I'm having more fun than I've had in years. I switched my teaching model a couple of years ago to classes because I wanted to, I love working with groups. I missed that from academia actually. Uh Uh-huh. And so I gave it a shot. And um, not only on my journey was I experiencing some new, exciting, scary, maddening things like I missed all of these means of expression for 20 years because I was doing what I was supposed to do in classical music. Mm -hmm. 
not this is not to diss on classical music. It's just not my bag. It's not sure. what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching these classes after doing lots and lots of one-on-ones. Again, I've been teaching for over 20 years now. And uh, that first time I taught this class, I was shocked. I knew it would be successful because I love teaching. This is what I do, right? But people were improving more quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like, this mm-hmm. is not what I expected. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I moved to, um, I invited a bunch of my current, like the clients I had at the time that had been one-on-one with me for a while. Mm-hmm. I moved them into classes with the option of going back to one-on-one after a certain session length. Mm-hmm. None of them wanted to go back to one-on-one. Really? How and interesting. I was like, oh, okay, I there's something to this. Uh huh. So since then, it's been over two years now. So I have I have theories on why this is the case, and I, I'm pretty confident in, in the theories. Um, and I can go into those if you want. Or is there? Yeah, let's talk about that. That's very interesting because it seems you know, as a voice coach myself, um, it's always seemed like the in-demand real estate is being one-on-one with your coach and that, you know, uh, it's such a, it's such a vulnerable practice anyways. Most people want to make the mistakes and make all the weird sounds and stuff when it's just, you know, small, but, uh, going into a group, the group dynamic is totally different. So what, um, Mm -hmm. tell me about your theories on this. (laughs) So my theories are that there are a bunch of them. So first off, you can work one-on-one with a teacher for a long time and that teacher is the only person that you sing for mm. maybe a recital here and there maybe a performance here and there but largely you're just singing for your teacher right that's which is great and it doesn't do as much as people think it does as i have learned in the last few years watching people struggle with the same things you're struggling with is really empowering Mm-hmm. And so you're in a, and when I say group lessons, like these classes are around four people. So it's not a huge group, mm-hmm. but it's, it's small enough to where everyone can get personal attention and mm-hmm. everyone gets the opportunity to sing. So people are singing for each other. They're getting support from their colleagues. They're seeing people that are as scared as they are. They're seeing people struggle with the same issues that they are struggling with. And they're hearing that there are all kinds of sounds you can make that are okay that they perceive for themselves are not okay right Mm -hmm. so i don't know how many like singers are always like i have to sound like x y or z Mm -hmm. all right and it's the standard they hold for themselves and then you listen to someone else and they're like yeah i love that Mm -hmm. well that person's not doing any of those things you're trying to hold yourself to and so they start to see that there are so many more options out there than they are giving themselves Mm. the other thing that happens in these classes is that we do listening together how would you describe this sound? And that's something that is so often left out of one-on-one voice lessons. Yeah. Again, I have theories on why that is, but largely I think because we are so focused on giving what we perceive as value. Mm-hmm. And if we're not saying it's not valuable, right? there's construction across the street. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we can spend the time having a discussion on what we're hearing, mm-hmm. how we would describe it, how that might feel in that person's body when they're making it because that's another thing that is really hard to, for people to believe is that when we hear a sound, we make an assumption of what making that sound will feel like in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a conscious thought, for example, we hear somebody like 
wailing out on this big old note. And we're like, oh, that sounds really hard. Mm -hmm. I bet they're working really hard to make that sound. Right. And while they might be working hard to make that sound, they're almost certainly not working hard in the way that singers think they are. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You see a group of people start to understand that all of a sudden you believe it more. Yeah. This one annoys me, but it's true. <laughs> they believe each other before they believe me. <laughs> so if I'm like, that was awesome. You couldn't have done that two months ago. They're like, okay, thanks, whatever. But if the class is like, oh my God, you just did that thing that you've been trying to do that you haven't been able to do. And then they believe it. Yeah. You that know? makes so much sense because to you, you're like the mom opinion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> your mom like has to say <laughs> they're obligated to be an encourager. And, but when you're, when you're amongst your peers, mm -hmm. there really is a, most often just that, that brutal honesty that can come, come out. That yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. I'm curious about how you, uh, how you manage feedback in the groups because, um, ha having done some group work myself, I guess my fear around having peers give feedback to, um, another singer is just the tact in which it's delivered and what it will emotionally and confidence wise do for, for a singer when, when, it's, you know, honest. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm right about this at all. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a nice voice teacher, right? <laughs> so yeah. I'm a very, I'm a coddler, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I hear um, just that, that group feedback, it scares me because I just, I know, I know the, I know how so many people have um, history in with their singing and, and negative feedback and what that has, what they've carried around for years and years and, you know, it's taken years and years to unwind all of that. And so how do you manage that? Now, Danielle, you're not speaking from experience, are you? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, a lot of people ask that question, actually. It's a really common, um, common thing to ask. Mm -hmm. And the first, the first thing is that I lead by example, mm -hmm. right? I will never say anything negative. That yeah. being said, I will say, you know what, that could probably feel easier for you. Right. So the way I talk to clients at the beginning and to be clear in classes that are totally beginning classes, people don't sing for each other for like the first month or so, mm -hmm. unless, they, unless there's like a particular group where they're like, okay, I'll sing. Usually people are like, screw you. Mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we get to the point where, where people are finally going to sing for each other. Before we get to that point, though, we've spent time listening to other singers and discussing how to describe those sounds. Mm. The language that we're learning, we're learning and teaching them how to use the language that I would use. So, for example, that sounded easier. Was that easier? Instead, mm -hmm. that sounded better. Ah, yes. So we don't use that language. Uh -huh. I don't use that language. I also direct the questions in a way that are that something like, instead of what did you think about what you heard is mm -hmm. sort of like, what do you think about that cool sound that so-and-so just made? Yeah. You know, so I direct it in a way that will not be negative. Mm -hmm. Like I would not allow negativity. Yeah. 
it's not going to happen on my watch. And honestly, I've never had an issue. I think one time someone said something in a way that I was like, not my favorite, but then I go in and I, I translate what they're trying to say, Mm -hmm. you know? So leading by example is the biggest thing, including how to talk about voices in the curriculum Mm -hmm. is really important. Um, And I do want to say that um, while I teach group classes as the majority of my studio, there are one-on-one lessons included in it. So for example, in the first, the first session of the class for like complete beginners, it's one lesson a month, one 45 minute lesson that can be in person or online. If Mm -hmm. they're vaxxed, they can come in vaxxed and not sick. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we just keep it online. Yeah. And then we've got three 75 minute classes a month. Right. So they get, they do get the one-on-one attention. And honestly, I was, I really was like, is this going to be enough? Mm-hmm. People improve more quickly in this model. They gain confidence more quickly. And when we are more confident, we're more likely to take risks. And when we take risks, that's how we grow. Mm, yeah. Right. So yeah. It's just been, it's been such a cool journey. And I just started a new um, group where, so I have an artist development level. So it's more of the pre-professionals where we do two classes and two lessons a month. Mm -hmm. And we're doing Jess Baldwin's fabulous shameless artistry workbook. We're working through a lot of those um, exercises. It's not published yet. I keep pushing her to publish, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, It's really powerful stuff. And so I've got different levels of groups and that's just super Oh, and we do a karaoke meetup once a month. Yes. See now that as you're describing, you know, what your theory is on why the grouping, the group coaching works too. It, I'm thinking just the accountability and social aspect of it means so much because I'm sure you've experienced this with just one-on-one. If you're just exclusively offering one-on-one, what often happens is, you know, a singer will start and they will be very uh, excited and, you know, into it and, and consistent and everything. But, you know, when we're doing something for ourselves, sometimes it gets hard to stay committed to ourselves and, you know, prioritize ourselves. And so I'll, you know, I'll see uh, singers drop off, but I can see that in the group setting, when you have now befriended everybody in your group and you know they're expecting to see you and you enjoy the time that you spend with them, that's adding a whole new level of, you know, accountability and just relationship. Community. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Community is one of my values. I think building community is so important. We yeah. all need people, you know, even if we don't think we need people. <laughs> yeah. People in some way, you know. Credit Liz. I know. I know. I'm such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> um, I was going to say something about what you just said and I can't remember what it is. So it'll, if it comes to me, it comes well, to me. we can come back to it. Um, so you're, you know, you're describing um, some of the ways um, you're working within the group, uh, but how, um, what are some of the ways that you, help a singer um, understand how singing feels in their body? What are some of those types of exercises that you walk them through? Great question. Well, there are a couple of things that I do for this. So one of the, one of the things that is a benefit that some people, most people assume from the, from the get go that it's not a benefit, 
But one of the benefits is that we use Zoom for our classes, okay. which means they cannot hear each other sing when we do warm-ups because I keep them muted. Mm -hmm. One time I had a class come into my studio and meet in person. And as soon as we started doing warm-ups, they turned into a choir. Mm. Because it's no longer about what singing feels like or what our own voice sounds like. It's about blending, which is just human nature, right? Right. So the first thing is that we have these classes online. They are muted. And when they're singing, they can hear me, but that's it. Mm -hmm. And so they can focus on what they're feeling in their bodies and what, what they're sounding like. And then we talk about it. All right. <laughs> Did that feel hard? Yes. No, it was easy. You know, lots of hand, symbol, hand mm -hmm. symbols. Um, if it did feel easy, let's talk about it. If it didn't feel easy, let's talk about it. And then it gives them a chance to turn inward. Mm -hmm. and so I'm asking questions constantly. Easier, harder. Easier, kind of the same. So that they start thinking in those terms. And I start really simple. At the beginning, everything is, was that easier or harder or not or about the same? Because people have no idea what they're feeling because we're, we're taught to ignore what we feel in mm -hmm. many aspects of society, right? Voice lessons being one of those things. Well, just do this. Yes. Right. Just do this. Just feel this. Mm -hmm. and you'll be doing it right. Well, no, that's bullshit. That, mm -hmm. Because we don't have the same body, right? Of course yeah. it's going to feel different when I make that sound. It might feel similar, but it might not. Mm -hmm. So a lot of opportunity for reflection. Yeah. That's the other thing that's really cool about the group is that, again, we get so tied up with giving value in a one-on-one -on -one lesson. Mm -hmm. But in a group, it's much easier to just add time, ask a question. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll just sit there and it can yeah. be comfortable. But then it, they like once they get into it, they get into it. Yeah. I read an article somewhere. It was like, we should be waiting at least 18 seconds after asking a question before asking if the person needs help answering that question. That is hard. Yes. Seconds feels like a long time. Yeah. But it takes the time for us to process, especially if we don't have the vocabulary, the verbal vocabulary, or what I like to refer to as the sensory vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, so that's the first thing. Gives them the opportunity to turn inwards by starting very simple, easier or harder. Mm -hmm. okay. If it was harder, well, let's, let's, I give them a few things to try. Like, okay, what vowel are you using? Maybe shifting the vowel could help you access that sound you want to access. Give it a shot. Mm -hmm. No, that didn't do it? Okay. Um, what about volume? If you change the volume, is that going to make a difference? Mm -hmm. So not only do I start small, I then start giving them things to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So don't, this is the other thing. I'm like, don't just assume you can't do it. Assume there's a reason why it's not easy for you right now. Mm -hmm. Right, Like when people try to wail out these high notes on big old ah vowels, I'm like, yeah, that's going to be hard. You're going to be flat. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's find what vowel works for you so you can make those sounds. It's it, So it's not that you can't do it. It's that you don't have, you don't have to drive the car yet. Like you got, you got all the parts. Yeah. You just need to figure out how for you to drive the car. So yeah. I help them, I try to help them focus on why something doesn't feel easy as opposed to I'm a terrible singer. It must be my fault that I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, that, that doesn't sound familiar to you, does it? Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the other, I, I love these classes. So that's the other thing. 
is that I focus, I also focus on demystifying how the voice works. Mm -hmm. So much of our shame around our own voices, I mm -hmm. believe, is because we don't understand how they work. And so right. we just assume we're terrible because we can't do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And that's bullshit. You just don't know how to drive the car. Mm -hmm. Right? That's like saying, I can't reverse in this car. It must be terrible. Well, then you have to learn how to put it in reverse. Right. And I say that as just getting a new car that has a different way to put the car in reverse. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, can't I drive this car? Because I need to learn to drive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And so I, I think a lot of it has to do with enoughness as well, because I'm sure you experienced too that number one question walking through the doors. Well, I, I just want to see if I'm good enough at this or if they're, if, if I'm good at all at this and, mm -hmm. and um, there's so much psychologically to that too. So there's really um, a self-discovery journey in all of this. And can you tell me what role that plays in this for you? And just, you know, how do you encourage your clients to, you know, explore and embrace, you know, in their individuality as singers? I love that question. So one, one of the things I do first off is we do listen to, we listen to other artists together. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things we talk about, like from the get go, okay, what's good singing. And, you know, sometimes people really get it. They're like, it's storytelling, it's connecting, blah, blah, blah. But usually it's like having a nice voice, you know, things like that. I'm like, okay, did you want to talk to Bob Dylan? Because that <laughs> sucks. That's right. And he did all right in his career. He did, he did okay. So we really focus on the, another favorite question I love to ask people is, who do you listen to for fun? Mm -hmm. Is it somebody with a beautiful voice? Or is it somebody with a voice that moves you? And yes, we can, you know, the, the word beautiful means a lot of different things. But in singing, when you say a beautiful voice to someone, there are a lot of assumptions that are made. Mm -hmm. And something can be beautiful all at once, but if it doesn't move me, I am not fucking interested. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. So I feel like Will Ferrell here. I'm like talking with my hand. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Right <laughs> I'll put my hands down. It's good. It's working. So that's, thank you. So that's kind of what I do. Like I really, I try to dismantle what we see as I should sound like this as mm -hmm. opposed to like, well, maybe you should, but maybe we should just not think about that and focus on what's feeling good to you and how to make sound easier, how to make, how to make making sound feel easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So coming, coming from the classical world in that background, as you've said, you know, there, there really is a, there is a right and wrong way in most philosophies of that, of that genre. And in the learning process, you really are being told what to do, not, not being asked, how does this feel? And, mm -hmm. and what sound would you like to make here? It's, it's, there is a right and a wrong way yeah. how it's uh, supposed to sound. But then when we cross over into contemporary commercial genres of music there is no right or wrong ways i mean there's there are ways to make sure you're singing healthy and mm -hmm. and you know safely and everything but um as far as sound goes it's really all relative because everybody likes different artists everybody's moved by something different and you know inspired by um something different i'm just i'm so curious how how do you make such a radical departure from that 
philosophy into, uh, you know, where, where you're at now. Are you, are you still singing? Are you, I'm sorry, are you still teaching classical singers or are you purely just in? I have one. Yeah. I have one. And I love this woman to death, but she will, I'm not going to be working with her for much longer. Uh-huh. Not because of, just because I can't, I don't want to do it anymore. I literally yeah. last week gave away all of my classical books. Yeah. We're talking like a thousand dollars worth of books. I was like, just <laughs> take them. So, <laughs> so how do I make the departure? So it really started with working with Jess Baldwin, honestly, because the way she teaches, again, she's all about turning inward and seeing, you know, what we want to do, how we want to be as an artist. And when she's asking like, well, what kind of sounds do you want to make? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. I was told for 20 years that I could only make one sound. Yeah. Right. I had one voice teacher say to me, can you do that again? But, um, prettier. (laughs) I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, could you maybe give me some suggestions? Can you suck less? You know, like, no, this is not, this is not how we want to teach. So working with Jess, it really, honestly, it's been a fucking journey. Yeah. As when I, I took a voice lesson with her and I was like, I don't know what I sound like. I don't know how to make sound. And this is years ago now. Like, it's not like last week, mm-hmm. but I, was like, I don't know what I sound like because I am, my, my skill as a singer is so cultivated that trying to sing in a different way, mm-hmm. it, it's just like, my body was like, no, no, no. This is what we do when we sing. I'm like, okay, soft palate. I do not need you in my, you know, forehead. Mm-hmm. Like, so I had to really, first off, I had to mourn the fact that, and this shit is real. I had to mourn the fact that during one of the hardest times in my life when I was a teenager, that not only was my means of expression denied to me, mm-hmm. I was told that it wasn't worthy. Right. Right. That's some baggage that does not go away quickly. Yeah. So even in the last, like, and I've always listened to pop music. I've always listened to contemporary music, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was always with a, yeah, that's, that's fun candy music, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I'm a teenager again, as I'm listening to these artists, I'm like, I love this. And all of a sudden I have permission to love these things. And it's so much more fun. Yeah. So, so I'm still, I'm working on my own voice still, and I'm having a blast. It took a while to get through that morning period, but morning and anger, but we're very, it was real. Yeah. And now I truly believe that every, every experience I've had makes me a better teacher, right? Mm-hmm. All the good stuff and all of the bad stuff. Yeah. So, and I'm all about removing shame from the process of singing yeah i don't know about you i get first off i work with mostly adults almost all adults i've got a couple of teens that i'm still working with but that's because they remind they remind me of me when i was a teen and i could someone like me um but for the most part i work with adults and um oh my gosh what was i getting ready to say this is you were talking about uh wanting to remove shame from singing all of my students are like, ah, I'm not practicing enough. I'm not practicing enough. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, okay, mm-hmm. don't practice right now. Like, 
that shame that we bring to the table when we when we do that when we're like i'm so bad why am i so bad at practicing why am i so it does not convince us to practice more Mm -hmm. and if it does convince us to practice more it's usually not a sustainable practice right so the other thing that i'm really trying to flip the switch on is i'm here to make singing fit into your life whatever that looks like If that means that you need to keep a voice strong in your car and like do exercises while you're driving at stoplights, do not use the straw unless you're at a stoplight. Um, but like then make it work for you. Yeah. Because I want you to come back to singing all the time. Yeah. Okay. Take a month off, but you mm-hmm. know what? You can always come back just like exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you got an injury. You can't, you can't work out for six months. Okay. But you can come back. Yeah. That's what I want singing to be for people. So mm-hmm. I have a whole thing that I've created called unpracticing where mm-hmm. I have, I, I have all these categories like high voice, low voice, belt, mixy, breathy, you know, and I just have all these different syllables. You don't have time to practice. Okay. Here's a whole list of syllables that can help you make the sounds you want to make mm-hmm. in these different parts of your voice. Just use these on songs as you're driving, use mm-hmm. these on songs as you're going around the house. And it will warm you up. It will still strengthen and coordinate the muscles. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be as fast as, you know, having a dedicated practice? Maybe, maybe not. But is it going to keep you singing longer? Is it going to keep you coming back to music? Mm-hmm. And, and that all started because I had this one client. Bless his heart. He was such a, he was, he is still, he like takes classes on and off. Mm-hmm. Such a good singer, right? But he had never sung before. So when I met him, he was like, I don't even know if I can match pitch. And so I had him sing a song and I was like, yeah, you, you can match pitch. You're really good. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, <laughs> like you're really good. You're so doing it. <laughs> I, he started working with me in these classes. He was in the first class I ever offered. Mm-hmm. And he could not sing for the group with his camera on for like the first nine months. Oh. But then after nine months, he turned it on and we were all like, you did it. <laughs> yeah. I, the reason I developed this unpracticing thing is because he was like, I'm just not practicing as much as I want to. And then he goes on to list this whole routine that he does in the car. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll sing this song in falsetto, doing all this hoo 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 stuff. And then I'll do the meow meow meows and the yeah yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, you, you are literally practicing. Mm-hmm. You know, like you are doing the things. Right. And so I was like, okay, this has got to, we've got to create something for this so that people aren't just shaming themselves and hating themselves. Right. Right. That's such a good point too, because I think when singers step into voice training, they do have this preconceived notion that practice looks like setting aside 30 minutes a day to follow a very regimented uh, group of scales that you'll be singing and, you know, technical exercises and um, things like that, which really is so hard for each individual singer to really even understand why they are doing that in the first place. I'm not sure a lot of teachers know why they're doing it either. Sometimes that's how they were taught. Yeah. That's what we were supposed to do. Right. I love, I love how, um, you're shaping that though for, for your students. And it's, I mean, my, my practice, I like to 
suggest practice with purpose, having, mm -hmm. having a, a measurable outcome from whatever time you put into what it is that you want to do. And really only you can determine that. Cause I'm always asked like, should I be practicing 20 minutes a day? Should I be doing half hour? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It really depends on what do you want to get out of this? You know, like for me, like in my, you know, if I'm trying to like grow in with my piano skills or something, the only way I can get anything out of practice is to sit down and be like, okay, my only goal here is to learn this scale in the left hand. And as mm -hmm. soon as I get through that, then I'm done. You know, that I've served, it's served its purpose, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that is one of the biggest faults I think of so many people. They like, I'm supposed to practice, so I'm going to practice. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, what, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think having <laughs> intention is, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't help me. Yeah. <laughs> it used to when I was doing what I was supposed to do all the time. And now that I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's, well, it's, it's, it's got to work for you. It's got to be whatever methodology keeps yeah. you in a joyful space and a motivated space uh -huh. to continue the singing is what you've got to adapt. Yeah. I love that you said that though, because I think I need to give options. I need to give, I need to give more options to people. So like unpracticing, unpracticing, it's a stupid word, but it works for me and it works for a lot of my clients. Mm -hmm. But I do have some clients that are like, no, 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 I'm going to have a regular practice. Okay, mm -hmm. great. But I'm not specific with them about how to do it because I was, it was that was so entrenched mm -hmm. in me that I just make a lot of assumptions that we shouldn't assume. We shouldn't assume. So I should, I should make sure to give more options on what practicing can look like instead yeah. of just assuming that no one wants to practice. Yeah. I never wanted to practice. And then I got my doctorate. So <laughs> that's true. That's a, that's a good discovery that, you know, every, the same routine doesn't always work for, you know, every singer, everybody that walks through the door is so different and, and what their just general lifestyle and daily routine is, is, is so different. But I love, I love what you're saying about giving them the option, like mm -hmm. here, here's, you know, a few different ways that you could go about doing this. Please pick what realistically you think would work for you and let's try it out. Yeah, no, that's good. This is great. This is a really good conversation because mm -hmm. we can always, we can always be better, you know, yeah. improve and yeah, that's. I think that this such this is a really good segue into my next question, um, because, and we've touched on this a little bit already, but you know, bringing joy back into singing is a very significant part of the work that you do. Yes. Um, how do you go about um, helping aspiring singers just maintain their passion and their joy for music? Um, oh. You know. How do you, how do you keep them in that place? That's a great question. Um, and honestly, I think it's one of my, like there are many things that I am not gifted in. That is one of my gifts because I am everyone's biggest cheerleader, mm. right? You know, it's not going to keep everyone wanting to sing and wanting to be in classes, but when we are in classes, we're having fun. We're making stupid sounds. We're doing weird shit. We're laughing. We're laughing at ourselves. We're making sure that we are like 
really using our voices in ways that sound terrible yeah in service of finding the sounds that we want so it's all very playful like all right you know we're gonna do this exercise and i gotta tell you if it sounds pretty you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. so i'll have them sing something for me i'll have them sing an exercise nope too pretty do it again too pretty too pretty <laughs> my, my friend abby and i she likes to tease me about that because she was in my classes. She was like, you're singing too pretty. <laughs> so I guess I'm a really big cheerleader. Mm-hmm. All of my clients. I include play mm-hmm. in what we're doing. Play and exploration. I give time in every class for people to go off screen to practice their song once or twice and then come back and talk about what they're feeling Mm-hmm. So that they can, in real time, talk about their experience of practicing. And then I can give notes or they can give notes to each other. So I guess, yeah, I like to have fun and I like to laugh. And I feel like if those things aren't happening, mm-hmm. I'm not going to keep doing it. Yeah. That's great. And just because I, I know you personally and, and have experience just with your personality, I know that uh, you keep it real always. You yeah. keep it real and you're you have such a wonderful way about you that is so disarming. You know, if if I think if anybody ever feels, you know, uncomfortable about saying something or sharing anything, you really have a special gift for just making a person feel comfortable and you know safe in their space and it, it's because you demonstrate that as a person. You know, you show up as you, you don't you know, what you see is what you get and you don't try to like, um, put on anything. And I think that's such a beautiful quality, you know, for a voice teacher to have, because we really are taking singers and asking them to do the most vulnerable thing they could possibly do to roll into somebody's space. They've never met before and sing in front of me, you know? (laughs) Go ahead, just sing something. People are always like, "What you got?" You know, know, they're like, "Screw you!" Yeah, (laughs) it's terrifying. It is terrifying. It really is. And you know, I I always try to assure people, like, I know you're nervous, and that's totally cool. And I just, I want to guarantee that you are not going to be able to make a sound that I have not heard and (laughs) probably made before. Yeah. So, but the other thing I, I think you touched on it earlier is the relationship is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really honest with people Mm -hmm. about what I'm hearing. And because I'm honest, people trust me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So they start to feel safe to take risks because I will tell them like, that could probably be easier. Do you think that could be easier? Yeah. Let's, let's play. Let's figure out how that might be able to be easier for you. And so I think that's so important. Like people know if you're bullshitting them. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and I just don't do that. Yeah. So I also, I don't give negative feedback because I just don't think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, I give things that we can improve on because we can all improve on shit, but. Yeah. 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 I think it's so important however you go about (laughs) delivering the information to singers is to be very mindful of how are these people feeling when they walk out of your door? How do they feel when they get back into their car, close the door? You know, are they feeling 
bad about themselves, frustrated, or, you know, are they inspired? Are they feeling more confident? And, you know, what, it, as long as you can keep that going and maintain that, you know, that positive energy and flow about singing is really what it's about. Yeah. And, you know, I think just taking away, uh, like language that the better or worse language, mm -hmm. just, I don't use I don't use that language when talking about voices because it, it just doesn't make sense to mm -hmm. because of singers like Tom Waits, like the guy, uh, I mean, it's like he's smoking a pack of cigarettes while he's singing. <laughs> and I'm here for it. You know, <laughs> Amy Winehouse, that nasal hat voice, but good God, that B could sing. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't mm -hmm. a pretty sound. Mm -hmm. You know, so I totally just derailed myself. But oh yeah, taking away language that kind of like yeah, better or worse language, good or bad language. It's like mm -hmm. no easier. Could it be easier? Maybe. Yeah. Be better? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I you're right. You do. You got to remove that language that just doesn't make any sense. You no, know, especially with contemporary commercial music, right? Yeah. I mean, literally any sound is okay mm -hmm. if you're connecting with people. So it's actually oftentimes not about the voice. It's about the ability to connect. Mm -hmm. And so that's, so we focus yeah. on that too. Yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, lots of dismantling of the preconceived notions. Yeah. And that's real. That's a journey. But yes. I see a life theme emerging here for you from where you started. And it's, I just, I've loved talking about, what your journey has been. I didn't know all of this. You oh, know, I, I felt like I know a lot of, I do know a lot about you, but I, I didn't have the whole, you know, backstory. And I just think it's so amazing to start from where you started from and to just take this, you know, really beautiful self-discovery journey throughout the years, because oftentimes once we've settled early in life on, you know, what we think we're going to do, what we should do, it's very hard to step away from that, to step away from the ideas. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of honesty with yourself and a lot of self-awareness to um, be able to say like, yeah, maybe I wasn't right about this. And to be open-minded enough to, to know that, um, what I thought then worked for me then, but I now know different and to be open enough to like, take that path. It's, it's pretty, it's courageous. Thanks. You know, it's that coaching group. Yes. Like, <laughs> there is a moment. Do you remember the moment the salty voice teacher was, was born? No, remind me. Is two years ago. I had just gone to this fucking workshop. It was supposed to be like a specialty for singers, voice teachers, and like body workers. And the man that did this workshop probably made like 40,000 bucks that weekend. Mm -hmm. It was the worst. And I paid like 600 bucks to go to this. I remember this. It was the worst thing I've ever been. I didn't even go to the full workshop. I was mm -hmm. like, I already gave you my money. I'm not giving you my time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and my, like, I don't pull the doctorate card very often, but I have my fucking doctorate and I know what you're saying is bullshit. Yeah. And he made like 40,000. And I was like, I was railing. And then we just all started joking. And I was like, I am salty. And someone's yeah. a voice teacher. And I was like, yeah, yes. well, like serious. But all of y'all were like, oh, that's, no, it. That's, that's it. And I was like, <laughs> 
And I remember like, cause before then I was very, I was very much in the, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm, I'm coming across the way I'm supposed to come across as a voice teacher. And I got to tell you, when I shed that mm-hmm. is when people started finding me. Yeah. When I actually was just like, no, <laughs> screw you. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> oh my God. Uh that's beautiful. I love you, Liz. You're amazing. You are amazing. It's been, it's been so great. Just really being able to go through these years with you and just seeing how you've, you know, developed in your practice. And, um, we are so lucky to be a part of the group that we are. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I really, when you did the first summit, I was like, no, she is not going to do that. And you were like, yeah, I am. Like, what is she thinking? I was like, she's crazy. And then you did it and was like, holy shit, that's awesome. (laughs) And now you're just like still doing it and you're still Mm. a badass. Mm. That's the power of working with people, though, who will challenge you, you know, to think beyond what you think you're capable of doing. And, you know, the group we're coming from, these aren't, these aren't women who are trying to like blow smoke or anything like that. They, they genuinely, I am genuinely filled with this like self-belief from, <laughs> from them. Yeah. And just, uh, and it, I think being, you know, I know we're deviating here, but just being in, being in that group too, it makes me feel like I'm not stepping out into these things by myself, you know? Yeah. And I have to say, I feel like one of the coolest things is I feel like we're at the forefront of a shift in the way music is, is taught. Yes. Because I forget that people, that that, the average voice teacher doesn't think the way I do. Mm -hmm. I forget that Yeah. because I'm surrounded with people that are like, no, we, we want to help people. We want to do for people what they want, not tell them what they need. Like, I don't know what you need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like, I can't tell you that. Yeah. But I can give you an experience where you can get to know yourself a little bit better and then you can decide what you need for me. Yeah. So anyway, I, we're at the forefront. We're changing lives, Danielle. We yeah. are. We're taking over. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. It's a much more pleasant way of living, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I um, this has been a great conversation. I want to wrap things up by asking you my final question, which is what makes you unstoppable? Um, I'm really stubborn. I'm really fucking persistent. Mm-hmm. And I am I am just firm in my belief that everyone can sing and that they just need to be given a chance. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help people find themselves and help people realize that they're capable than more than they, than they thought they were. That is like my values. I love it. I love it. And where can everybody find you? Saltyvoiceteacher.com. Saltyvoiceteacher.com. The Salty Voice Teacher. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And uh, feet first classes. You know, I teach them online. So I have people across the country. I've got a lot of local people, but then I also got people not local. So, mm-hmm. and is that the best place to start with you is to jump into that program? Mm-hmm. If you yeah. go, well, I mean, if you go to my bio on Instagram, I think there, there's a link there where you can sign up for a discovery chat with me. And the discovery mm-hmm. chat's free. And then there's a button, bunch of buttons on my webpage where you can sign up for the free discovery chat. That's my favorite thing to do. I don't want to email back and forth with people because I hate emailing. Yeah. 
but I'd love to talk to you in person. So yeah. if you're curious, sign up for a discovery chat and let's chat about it. And if I'm not a good fit for you, then I'll help you find someone or I'll give you questions to ask other people so that you can find someone who's a good fit. That's great. Awesome. Uh, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this and sharing your journey with us. Um, and thank you to everybody who joined us live tonight. Great to see um, some eyes watching. Uh, so I'm going to give you back the rest of your evening and I'll, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning, actually. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Danielle. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Good night, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.